Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. That is right. What should the good, fine folks, SEC folks out there do with the YouTube page, Aaron Dugan? Subscribe to it. Watch it. Leave hate comments. We don't care. Wow. Interact. All attention's good attention right now. Hate comments. It w- we're all about <laughs> the enragement, not the engagement, baby. The enragement. And I don't really care. It's all one and the same. Uh, you are drinking out of a red solo cup at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I appreciate that. I'm sure it's just water, maybe a little seltzer. It is I'm water. Sure, I'm sure it's just water. Um, of course, we've got lots of stuff planned for you today on the show. We've got the infighting at Kentucky, just absolutely brilliant. I just I love it so much. I, I, I you guys know how much I love Kentucky, uh, and I just love the fact that Calipari and Stoops and Barnhart are all. You know, on their own islands, I guess. So we'll get into what's going on at Kentucky, of course. Florida opened some new facilities and is surging on the recruiting trail along with Tennessee. Both of those teams are optimistic heading into camp, but they've got some recruiting stuff going on. So we'll discuss that as well today on the show. As well today also in addition to on the show? In addition to as well as also to. Henceforth. Oh, oh. (laughs) Henceforth. Henceforth. Um, but you know what? Brody Miller going to join us from The Athletic covering LSU Tigers as they had some quarterback news this week. Miles Brennan retiring. Does that seal the deal for Jaden Daniels to be the starter? We will discuss a lot of the camp, a lot of LSU's upside, their offensive and defensive lines, the job Brian Kelly do, is doing recruiting. So we'll talk with Brody Miller coming up a little bit later on in the show. Missouri also named a starter like right as we went to to press last week we did not get that into the show so we're going to discuss that as well so lots of stuff on the show today aaron uh yep. first of all first of all you didn't know i was going to do this but uh it's, it's I, scary yes it should be because yeah. we went to my wife and two daughters um we went to a you know tomato fest is here in nashville it's we live in a very quirky neighborhood in east nashville and we have a great festival called tomato fest in nashville every single year on saturdays it's one of the biggest party years for like parents Mm-hmm. Which is like there's not very many of those, right? Like party, you go and you go drink Bloody Mary starting at party like party years. Sorry, party days of oh, the year. Okay, party days of the year. Got it. You, got go, it. you go to Tomato Fest with your kids. You do the parade Sounds at like 9 a.m. Wild. There's a 5k, then 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 a parade, and then by like 10 a.m. you're drinking Bloody Marys. And then Did you do you the come, 5k. Of course not. I didn't earn my Bloody Mary at all. <laughs> um, but that night there was a very fancy s- sushi chef easy for me to say, which doesn't happen a lot in Nashville, doing a fancy like pop-up that I've heard a lot of rave reviews about. So I, my wife and I love sushi. We don't get a lot of great sushi in Nashville. So we went to this event at a like a wine bar kind of in our neighborhood with our kids at like 5.30 p.m. Okay. And as the night progresses, the DJ gets louder and more scantily clad. Oh. There, there are more and more very, very cool people that show up, all of which have to be, of course, be your friends. Is it Love and Exile? Yes, it was at Love and Exile. Oh, yeah, all my friends did go to that. All your friends were clearly there because I did run into your friend uh, from Very Reagan? Cavalry, Reagan. I talked to Reagan. I said hello, um, had a quick conversation with her. But it was very clear that everyone was just influencing each other. It was did all she just... remember you? Yeah, she said hello. Of course. I just did a headshot of her dog a couple days she, ago. She is not just her, but like everybody is just influencing people. They have like fire twirlers. There's like a selfie booth. There's very hip DJ music. This is, We were ruining the vibe. Me and my wife no and way. two daughters were absolutely destroying the vibes. And I had to tell you about it because it was all of your friends. They were all there influencing I mean, it, it's funny people. It's funny because it actually was. 
They were all just like this. They're all just like holding their drinks up and like influencing people with their drinks and their You're phones. You're just being an ass now. YouTube, but... There's YouTube stories and Instagram shorts and, you know, Facebook lives just happening everywhere. It was just so many cool people. And me and my wife were like, we're ruining everyone's shots. Normally, got to get out of here. say like, oh, I think I saw your friends. I would think it was just like you just saw like a bunch of basic people somewhere and you're making fun no. of me, but it's actually truly was them. No, we, like. we were the the very basic people here. Cause I, we could just, at one point, the girl who's doing the fire comes up to us and is like, so we're about to spit fire. So you guys, and, then, and there's that voice that like, I can't stand. She's like, so we're going to spit fire and you might want to hold on to your kids. And we were just like, excuse me. <laughs> my friends would have loved get Haley. The, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? My kids are going to run up and bother you. Go do your thing. It was very hip, very cool, very trendy. And uh, we didn't belong there. So I'm all we did. Out. So all we did was take like what we thought were like ironic in- influencer photos of like me and the kids. So I got like pictures Please of like my. share those immediately. <laughs> I've got pictures like... of like Haley and the kids doing like mean faces, like mean duck lips with like their arms crossed and stuff like at the Send bar. Send me those at once. It's very silly. Anyway, Reagan, Reagan Agee says hello. And all your she, she remembered so. you, obviously. Yeah. 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 She nice. did. I'm very memorable. Okay. Uh, Brady Cook has been named the starting quarterback for the Missouri Tigers. Um, I don't know how much this changes the outcome for Missouri. If he's very, very good, could they get to a bowl game? Maybe. He he played well in the bowl game against Army. He threw, I mean, he's not thrown very many passes in his career, but he completed, I think, 27 out of 34 in that bowl game. Um, he's only gotten spot duty and like a blowout against Georgia, basically, and that's about it. So Missouri ends their quarterback battle. What I found interesting, Aaron, is that basically E.I. Drinkowitz was spending all offseason saying, come on, we need a quarterback. Somebody come transfer to Missouri. And Brady Cook said, no, I'm just going to stay here and fight it out. And sure enough, here he is, the starting quarterback at an SEC school. Well, I mean, that part's impressive. And it was an interesting, just the battle's been interesting because it's like the most motley crew of people competing for the, it's a seventh, someone's in their seventh year. Was it, that's that Tyler Macon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I think he's the he's the young one. <laughs> he's the MLB guy. Yep. And then so you just a weird like motley crew of people competing for this. You've got like walk you walk on someone that didn't get drafted in MLB draft. You've got someone that's been in college for almost a decade. Um, <laughs> and and obviously Brady Cook ended up winning it out. But um, it would be hopefully this does work out for Missouri and and it ends up being a fit because it they might get you know a couple really good years out of him and um if this goes well since he's only a redshirt sophomore so it could be good for the program as a whole if he can find his footing yeah it's interesting like like i don't know what to look forward to with missouri <laughs> i know they've got some young freshmen again luther burden's the big five-star recruit that wide receiver that we know about you mentioned you know there's sam horn and sam horn excuse me tyler making these freshman quarterbacks that could all be a part of this but brady cook wins the job because he did he did start their last football game let's be honest and again, mm-hmm. he, complete, he completed almost 80% of his passes. And Army, while they're just Army, no offense to the troops, they do have an All-American linebacker on that team. So I, I well, think... Well, and it's your first time in that on that big of a yeah. stage. So to be able to complete 80% of your four out of every five passes in that high pressure of a situation for the very first time is a good sign. That's good math by you. Um, so I, <laughs> I think... <laughs> no, it wasn't. You're a big quantum physics girl. Um, I, I just, I don't... I just give the kid credit for sticking it out. And if you're going to kind of just thumb your nose at the entire thing and let your head coach recruit quarterbacks during the offseason, 
and just keep your head down and go to work. I think it's a good lesson. Like, Hey, sometimes if you just put your head down and go to work, you can accomplish some good stuff. And, you know, again, he had the leg up on this whole thing and he won the starting job. And if it works by November, we'll see the fruits of that, of that hard work in the off season, because if but November rolls around and Missouri could actually start winning some games. Do you think Eli had that hope in his head that maybe, I mean, obviously it's kind of sort of a slap in the face to just be openly recruiting <laughs> quarterbacks when you have one that, I mean, I understand what he was doing, but right, do you right, think right. that was his hope that. For no, him, I think he want. I think he wanted another player. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least <laughs> but, he ended up with something, but you know, this is a, he's, you know, this is not an, like an untalented player. Like he's, no. we're talking like a six two, 200 plus pounder. Who's from in state. He's from, from St. Louis. And, you know, again, got a couple of, yeah, meaningful. He got some mop up duty a couple times and then he played meaningfully in the bowl game. But again, like if you look at their schedule after Florida, a road trip on October 8th, they go Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, New Mexico state, Arkansas. I'm not suggesting Missouri's better than those teams. They're not. But if he's developed and gotten a bunch of reps in the first half of the season, and all of a sudden in his first full season as a player in college football, and he's the if he's really the answer, yeah. then you could see some really nice success for Missouri in that last five, six games. A lot of times, you know, as fans of certain teams and the team themselves, you want to get momentum going at the beginning of the season. But I would argue that when you have a quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience, this is a much better order in terms of trajectory for the postseason or their record. Because if you face all these teams at the beginning, like God forbid there's some kind of you know, season ending injury, right. but he, if he can actually, like you said, get his footing by the time that those five teams come down the pipe, they actually, you know, might be able to kind of make a run at it once he's comfortable. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But big news there, Brady Cook named the starter. The other one, the other big piece of news in the quarterback world, and we'll talk to Brody Miller about this from The Athletic coming up in a little bit, so we don't have to dive too deep into it, but that is Miles Brennan retiring from college football, which seems odd because he's been at LSU for 22 years and he's played for 14 different head coaches and he's broken 47 bones. But th this is a guy who basically has like no actual, like he didn't really play football at LSU, <laughs> but yeah. he's been around forever. And he had those three games in 2020 where he was really good. Yep. And uh, like, I don't know. And again, I asked Brody about like the quote unquote legacy. And I think there is some sort of like love affair from the fan base with him because he, he's been through so much and never really got his chance, but he stuck it out again. Same thing as Brady cook. I don't know. I think that's interesting. I think it clears the path for Jaden Daniels and then maybe got Garrett Nussmeyer. So there's one less name to worry about if you're an LSU fan in terms of the quarterback battle. Yeah. But I like that there's a fan base that can rally around this because it's really sad to watch someone put that much time and energy into a program and you know, they have potential and then, things that are outside of their control, yeah. whether it be pandemic or injuries, keep you from really getting that chance. And I respect the shit out of him for sticking it out even this long. Um, and it looks like they do have some talent coming down the pipeline, especially with what Jaden Daniels has already shown that he can do at Arizona State. And maybe he'll be one of the pieces of the puzzle that can put LSU back together again. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Humpty Dumpty? Yeah, L I think so. <clears throat> LSU fell off the levee. Is that what happened? I um, think so. Yeah. I just, it is interesting. Like Miles Brennan's a name that's just been around forever and hasn't really, again, he's, he's thrown 201 passes his entire career in six years. And I guess he was told he wasn't going to be the starter. So therefore you got to think it's down to Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, as Brody's going to tell us a little bit later on, a little bit more of a wild card, which we've been telling you on the show forever is he's the wild card to keep an eye on here. But it does clarify things a little bit for LSU fans. Certainly the Missouri thing has been clarified. So we're starting to get down to a 
fewer and fewer questions in the quarterback situation in the SEC, which right now is Texas A&M largely is a big one. Other than that, it's, you know, Mike Wright's been named the starter at Vanderbilt. Like it, 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 Auburn's the only other one, maybe I guess that we've got to find out about, but otherwise we're getting, we're getting it's close time. to figuring out. Yeah. We talk about this a lot too, where it's, if you, if you wait too long, then you've done yourself another kind of disservice. Obviously you want the best guy and you want to make the right decision, but you also want to give your team time to, you know, I don't know, practice with them. So <laughs> right. that's important too. Right. Uh, and I like LSU's offensive line is the big question mark. The defensive line, I think is going to be very salty. They got weapons there. So does the quarterback minimize mistakes? Does the offensive line develop? Could that be where LSU hits its ceiling? And uh, and again, Brody Miller from The Athletic will tell you all about whether or not they're going to hit the over or not. I took the over last week on the show. Uh, I don't believe you did. So, in fact, I've got it right here. Hang on. Yeah, tell yes, me. Yes, you took the under. So, there you go. Um, all right, we'll get to Florida's new facilities and the new arms race in the East because I want to discuss that. Tennessee crushing on the recruiting trail as well. You got Kentucky and Shane Beamer. But speaking of Kentucky, oh, my favorite thing in the world, Aaron. I'm here for the petty. Uh, here, well, I'll just let you listen to this. This was, of course, John Calipari talking on three, his comments about, you know, the, the Kentucky being a basketball school and then Mark Stoops immediate response. Now I'll explain all of this afterward, but he did not call the press conference like Jimbo Fisher did this. Mm -hmm. He had to talk after a practice on a Saturday or scrimmage. That's so. not Stoops' style really. Exactly. So this was like, he had to talk. He had to go to the podium. He was going to be asked questions about it because apparently Mitch Barnhart had told John Calipari not to make a comment. So Calipari did like a Twitter thing. And then, you know, Calipari tried to call Stoops and Stoops didn't answer you mean in between after he said it initially. Barnhart, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so Mitch Barnhart, I thought did himself a disservice by, by trying to tell Calipari to keep it quiet when Calipari could have come out and handled it himself. But anyway, let's, let's hear how all this began. We'll hear Calipari's comments to on three, of course, about um, the, you know, Kentucky being a basketball school. And then you will hear Mark Stoops a reaction to that at his press conference a couple of days later. You got to say we're doing this, and the reason is this is a basketball school. It's always been there. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. I mean, they are. Right. This is a bat. Don't dis our football team. I hope they win games and ten games and go to bowls. At the end of the day, that makes my job easier, and it makes the job of all of us. Easier. But this is a basketball school, and so we need to keep moving in that direction and keep doing what we're doing. I'm the head coach of the football team, and I work within the, the context of the athletic department. And uh, you know, anything that I said or or do is in defense of our players, our staff, and and the fans. I don't care what anybody says about their program. That's not my business. That's not my lane. When you start talking about my program and and others that we compete against, I I, I don't do that. I stay in my lane. You know, so that's in defense of my players, the defense of the work that we've done. And believe me, we want to continue to push, but don't demean or distract from the hard work and the dedication and the commitment that people have done to get to this point. I, I, I don't need to apologize for that. And uh, I won't. There are so many people, so many fans, so many coaches, so many players that have sacrificed so much to, to improve at the level we've improved at. And listen, we all know this program wasn't born on third base. So some may, but I could promise you this football team didn't wake up on third base. I did a lot of work 
we did a lot of work. The commitment from the Joe Crafts and the so many different people and Mitch and Dr. Barnhart, you know, or uh, Dr. Capilouto, so many people have done so much that, that you have to have a respect and appreciation for. We all want more. I'm not in third grade, you know what I mean? Like, it's trivial. I mean, come on. So there, there you have it. So there you have it. Mark Stoops and John Calipari going back and forth. What I find interesting is far more, what I find far more interesting, Aaron, and the number one question is, who's the most important person to the University of Kentucky? John Calipari, Mark Stoops, or Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, which I think is way more complicated to answer than anybody thinks. Yeah. But the I, like, I actually don't care about the commentary about the two. Like Stoops is defending his program. Calipari coaches at a basketball school. Like that's that. those are sort of like, some factual things. Mark Stoops got in, into his feelings about what Calipari said because it was a little rude. Yes, he's absolutely right to feel that way. It is rude. <laughs> it's totally rude. I got They're no problem. To be on the same team. I got no problem with any of that. But here's the thing: Calipari and and Stoops will work it out. Like I'm, they probably already have. It's probably already like water under the bridge. Two guys with big egos that work really hard that were saying some stuff in public that probably should have happened behind closed doors, which Mitch Barnhart wanted them to do. But it was already out there. So he screwed up, I think, by saying, guys, don't talk about this in public. Like, again, Stoops had a press conference, had to answer questions. So yeah. the whole thing was handled poorly by Mitch Barnhart, I think. Here's the thing. Calipari and Barnhart do not have the same relationship that, that Barnhart and Stoops have. Mm -hmm. There is more. They're further apart, let's say, Calipari and Barnhart. There's also nobody, and I was I was talking to Matt Jones about this from Kentucky Sports Radio, that no one, there's no one that they all will listen to. There's no one person that'll come in and get all of their brains to like calm down and settle down and like get on the same page, even though I think it's going to happen naturally. I, I don't, first of all, your reaction to what you heard, you got any problems with anybody, because I don't have any problems with Stoops reacting that way, like defending his program and his players, whatever. Um, I want to get to the more, who's more important to Kentucky question, but I want to know what your reaction question. I want to know what your reaction is to all of it and the whole, all the drama and all of this happening like two weeks before the season starts. And Calipari just wants facility money for his indoor basketball facility. And like yep. Kentucky just got it. Football just got it. Like it seems like a lot of touchy egos here. Totally. Well, it's Calipari. So it's like, you know, I'm a grew up <laughs> a Memphis fan. And you, I mean, we've had, <laughs> I, I know how he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, it's just you don't do when you've worked inside an athletic department also this is this is this is not good this is bad to even put anybody else you shouldn't be putting people on the chopping block anyway because you just end up putting your like your own back against the wall when you do that because you're going to be in trouble with someone i mean i guess it just depends on if the calipari is one of the people that i don't know if he knows the difference between negative attention and positive attention it's all just <laughs> attention to him um with stoops it's like there is no reason for him to be this is caddy to me and for, for, for Stoops or for Calipari? No, no, for Calipari yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that. Well, it's, it's, it's in his nature. It's in his no, nature. You already, you already nailed it. Like, but it's, it is, it's, it's who he is, but you need to be able to hone that in enough to not do it to one of your other head coaches at your university. I think but, I, I, I agree. He just, this is what it is. He doesn't have as good a relationship with the AD as Mark Stoops has. And he's not Mark getting what he wants. He's pouting is what he's doing. Exactly. Mark Stoops is getting what he wants for his football program, which is a lot of investment. And there's been results, 10 win seasons. Yep. And, and Calipari is running one of the greatest basketball programs in the history of the world. 
and it didn't get his indoor practice facility. And so he, you know, he felt comfortable. He was sitting in his $4 million house in Nashville or whatever. And he's like, just rattling off like things. I don't, I actually don't know if he was in Nashville or not. I know he just bought a new house here in Nashville. Um, well, and I just, uh, three tenths of an acre for $4 million, by the way, that, that's, that's what you get. That's what you get in, uh, in, um, Belmont area of downtown Nashville these days. Good God. Yeah. Um, but I think the far more interesting, cause I think it's all, it's all going to be fine. Like they're all fine already. It is fine. It's just, you're it's a little stupid. You're but, being a dick. <laughs> yes, he is. But to, you know, like again, when you have a giant ego and you coach, you're he's the Nick Saban of basketball, right? Like he gets everything he, he's you ever wanted. You can't do these huge facilities all at once. Like that's what he has to understand is like what Kentucky basketball is going to have momentum. Like they have have a history of being this one of the most elite programs in the country. And also like it is, it is, uh, you have, I'm not saying it's easier to be a basketball coach, but I'm just saying <laughs> there's 12 guys and not a hundred. Well, but so, here's, here's, but that's a perfect segue into who's more important to the team or to the, to the university because Mitch Barnhart by and large has been one of the greatest ADs in the entire country. Like 95 to 99% of everything he's done has been absolute gold. He's hired Calipari. He, he obviously hired somebody else before that, but he hired right. Stoops, invested in Stoops and built the football program. And he's done a brilliant job being an athletic director. I think there are some signs, you know, with the NIL stuff and some of the commentary he's made, I think there are some signs that the, this, you know, that, that he's going to have to rebuild some trust, not a lot, but some, I, to me, like if you fire John, John Calipari's not getting fired, but just hypothetically trying to replace John Calipari is significantly easier than replacing Mark Stoops, trying 100% to go out and agree. Yes. Going to go. I think Mark Stoops is the most valuable member to the, of the three because he has done the one thing that no one else can do at Kentucky, which is build a consistent 10 win program and, and like energize all of the fans recruit at a higher level compete in the sec east fill the stadium jam-packed against lsu and then beat the shit out of them like right. I, it's like no you know how hard it was for kentucky to find that guy yeah you know by the way football makes more money than basketball so i to me it's almost easy to make the case that mark stoops is more important quote unquote because you He's, could go find calipari i think you could go find somebody that's going to do as well as calipari like all over the place in college basketball and that's maybe that's insulting to cal i don't know well it's Cal's, Kentucky. Cal's it's Kentucky. insulted me before, so I don't care. <laughs> He's insulted you personally? Uh, no, not personally. Just you you like and every, me, the point is, Kentucky basketball is so good that you and I could go coach Kentucky and probably win 10 games a year in, in basketball. Like, well, that's how good that program is. Well, they like, just, it, it wouldn't be, I'm not saying we could do it. I'm just saying it wouldn't be hard to get another really a, a, a very good coach through yes. the door. It would just take a certain amount of money, which they're already probably paying Calipari way more than they could get some. Whatever. I'm all not you saying... need, all you need, is the right area code on your phone number to show up. If you're if you're an agent of a basketball coach, what is it three three four? I don't remember. I don't, that's I Auburn. That's I think it's Auburn. I don't know. Whatever the area code is for Lexington, if you just like, if yet if that number just shows up on your agent and you're the head coach of some other school in America and that number shows up, you're taking the call. Like totally, yeah. <laughs> and just what what. Stoops has been able to do at the level of integrity that he's done it. Um, and doing that with just, it is truly people just don't think about like how many more student athletes you're dealing with. I mean, truly it's, it is, you have a, a way bigger staff. You have um, 
a lot more kids. <laughs> you have, then you also have the potential for a lot more behavioral issues or a lot yeah, more yeah. academic. It, it just like, it's- Well, it costs a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's 10 times the amount of people. Yep. So yep. I, I so think- Whatever. <laughs> I checked. I checked the numbers. It was about forty-two million dollars for football in revenue generation. About twenty-nine million in basketball, and that's like one of the two or three biggest ones in all of college basketball. That's way bigger than most Division One yes, basketball programs. Yes, but the expenses is the difference there, right? Like the expenses, football is like thirty million in expenses. So your net revenue, basketball does better and is more important. But in your total revenue, out of a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, a lot more of that comes from football than 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 comes from basketball. So and you're counting TV. I know I'm just talking the football program department and the basketball program department, but then you're right. If you wanted to, it's that TV does, revenue that, that doesn't include it. television revenue. Yeah. And that would kick it up to a whole different level and it would end up yep. netting out yep. at a better margin, better I just, ROI. I just think people don't think about like, if you, who's the most important person to Kentucky, Mitch Barnhart, who's pulled all the strings to get all this working coach Cal or Stoops. I think it's Stoops by a mile, but that's I just think me. the important is that, the verbiage of important makes it a little harder, but the hardest to replace is for sure Stoops. That's that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, all right, Florida announced there. We'll get to the AP poll coming up in just a second. Brody Miller as well. Um, the AP, the um, excuse me, Florida announced their fancy new facilities. They got all the shiny pictures all over the Twitter sphere and the social media and the IG and everything. It looks spectacular. Can't believe it took this long uh, for Florida to have this. But the reason I, I bring that up is. Florida is now in the top 10 in recruiting nationally. They've been on an absolute tear with Billy Napier putting into place what he wants to do. Tennessee just picked up a four-star commitment from a, from a, a cornerback who's now they're, they're number 11 in the 24-7 sports rankings. Last year, you had Stoops in Kentucky sign one of the best classes in school history. We know Shane Beamer's all about that recruiting life. So I, I'm just looking around the East and Kirby Smart. I don't think he cares, Aaron. But don't tell me it's not getting more difficult and more shark infested in the SEC East by the day, because it seems like Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, they're they're not going anywhere in terms of recruiting. Well, yeah. And when also when you've had a little bit of for Florida, they've been down. So and I'm not saying they wouldn't be making investments. I think I think that if athletic departments know what's good for them, they make large investments, especially in the football program, anytime that they're fiscally able to do that and then just try to keep up leveling. But you have had these teams that are have fallen behind and the, there's been a larger gap between, you know, the Georgias and the Floridas um, recently than there normally is. And I, I bet there's chatter at, at Georgia. I don't remember the last time Georgia had like a huge overhaul, but honestly, bells and whistles and facilities means recruiting. They're simultaneous, especially with this new age of student athlete, like the glitz and the glam and social media and pictures and everything. It yep. matters yep, more yep, than yep. it ever has. Um, so well, I bet and, some birds are chirping in Athens. Well, and all Florida did was just catch up with everybody else. Like they didn't pass anybody. They haven't like gone past AM and their five star spa and resort and they've gone past State. a lot of people, maybe not AM or Bama. Or and Georgia's pr pretty high up Georgia, there. But Clemson overlaps with them in recruiting as well. I, the point is, is it took they were Florida was so far behind from an investment standpoint that they have finally caught up now. And again, for how long, right? Like until Tennessee spends and then Georgia's going to spend and then South Carolina is going to spend. Like it's just this, it's just this revolving door of spending money on, on good things. I just think what's interesting is the name, the name image and likeness collective for Tennessee is doing really good work. They yeah. have a top, they have a top 12 class. Florida is doing work with Billy Napier's new structure and recruiting and all their assistants, the new facilities and NIL and their collective doing work. They've got a top 10 class. 
just again, last year, South Carolina, Kentucky recruited like crazy. I just don't think it's as simple for Georgia. No one's passing or catching Georgia. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I can't wait to watch the arms race off of the field in recruiting in the SEC East, because that is the thing that has been missing between the two divisions. After Alabama, there's lots of competition in the West. In the East, it's been Georgia and everybody else for like five years now, and no one's even come close. Yeah. And I I am excited to see what those battles could look like as the other teams get closer, you know, close the gap at least. That's all. Right. And there's more, and like you you named South Carolina, which South Carolina has always been on the cutting edge of facilities wise, which is why South Carolina fans just are beating their head against a wall. Like, why can't we freaking win? We have everything. I mean, they really do. Those facilities, if, I mean, you've probably yeah. been in there, Brady, oh, yeah. but yeah. they're incredible. I mean, they're, South Carolina no, they, was second to a couple of schools in the SEC, but at a lot of times was not behind at all. Um, but with the, I mean, obviously they're on a better trajectory in terms of coaching and like what Shane Beamer's been able to do at least, you know, over the course of the last couple of years. Um, so, um, including like when he got hired. So we'll just see. I think that that gap, although it's been distant between Florida and Georgia, there's a lot more people or a lot more teams that are like where we're that bottom tier that we were talking about that are now yep. Yep. flirting with the middle. So. Yep. It's going to be fat. I, I can't wait to watch. I hope it gets real petty and real, real nasty. I think it'll be fun. You love that. <laughs> I'm the all Twitter, for it, man. The Twitter gutters, as you would say. The, su- the sewers. Yeah, the sewers. sewers uh, yeah. Let me, let me bathe in the recruiting sewers of the SEC East for a little while. I'm, I'm looking nasty. forward to that. I've been, I've been, I've been just lounging in the SEC West sewers, you know, like for a while. I, I think it's Kicked time to, back. yeah, we got to visit the other side of the, the division. I, I just think, Flor- Florida and Tennessee and South Carolina and Kentucky. What do they all have in common? They're thirsty as a- thirsty AF right now. So, so look at all, you, you little hit. They're hip all going to gonna the get there. They're all going to get there. What what does hip to the groove mean? Uh, it was like an old person. You said thirsty yeah. AF, which is like pretty young for you. So I said oh. hip to the groove, which is pretty old for me. Oh, nice. Okay. It was like a dichotomy like response. Okay. I, you have a juxtaposition of iron- which irony. You will. Whatever. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, all right. Brody Miller from The Athletic coming up in just a second. Um, AP poll is out. So now all the preseason polls are out. And of course, they've all copied off on sports. Uh, Alabama, number one with 54 first place votes. Ohio State, number two with six first place votes. Georgia, number three with three first place votes. Uh, like in the coaches poll, Texas got a first place vote, but not in the not in this one. So nobody else. Those are the only first place votes. Uh, Texas A&M was number six. It's about right. Uh, other SEC schools, you got to go all the way to 19 to get to Arkansas, 20 to get to Kentucky, 21 to get to Ole Miss. So first and foremost, Tennessee not being ranked in either of these polls to me is ridiculous. I don't think yeah. they're an elite team, but I think it's stupid they're not ranked. Yeah, you were fired up about this last week as well. I just don't. I just think it's silly. It's just silly. Like, I'm trying to pull up what. Um... Like I, I would not have Ole Miss ranked. I would have Tennessee ranked, but y'all know that about my personal opinion. LS, LSU is like number 29 with like 55 points in the rankings. And then you got Mississippi State and Auburn getting some votes. You got Florida getting a few votes. Like, I'm good with all that. It's just the Ole Miss one that is out of line too high. And Tennessee, to me, out of line too low. But Arkansas and Kentucky being where they are, I think that's about right. 19 and where, 20. Where, in comparison, where, which one did we do last week? Coaches poll. Coaches? <laughs> Coaches, well, shut up, Braden. Um, 
Where they, these three weren't right up on each other last week, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss. They're pretty close. I can I could pull up the. There was over like five or six spots. I was trying to pull it up too. Yeah, the coaches poll has Kentucky at twenty one, Arkansas twenty three, Ole Miss twenty four. So basically the same, just a slightly different order. Um, again, Ole Miss. It's just I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't understand. Ole Miss being this high with the amount of loss they've had is surprising. We talked about understand. that last week. Um, I still think Cincinnati's high, but I mean, okay. I, I think Pittsburgh's too high. I think Michigan state's too high. Um, there's a handful of Texas is way too high in the coaches poll, but that's cause they're always too high. They weren't ranked in the AP poll, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma's a future member. They're number nine in the AP poll, number nine in the coaches poll. I just think again, both, both polls have Ole Miss ranked and Tennessee unranked. That's my only issue. Those two things don't feel right. If you switch those two things, I would feel better about all of this. Where are the where are those two teams in Athlon? I don't have the magazine in front of me. Tennessee's number 18. Okay. And Ole Miss is not ranked. <laughs> so obviously I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm well, the one who did the ranking. Yeah. Well, I, I that's why I asked. <laughs> I we all see it. Yeah. <laughs> blue. It's blue. Um <laughs> that's but, an old. That, the rest doc- of this looks about right to me, except for the things that you just called out. I think Wake's probably in the right spot. Well, and they lost their quarterback, but for a little while. So we had we had LSU at 26 in the magazine ahead of Ole Miss. And again, I think LSU should be ahead of Ole Miss. That's just my personal opinion. Those are both really hard to tell what's going to happen with. So um, I would. You're right. I don't know if we either of us took. I don't remember what we did with the. You, I did the under. And what you, I had Ole Ole Miss, Miss? you had Ole Miss finishing fourth, LSU finishing fifth. Yeah. So you had Ole Miss ahead of LSU, which is fine. I, again, I don't have any problem with this. I just. It's just it, because of questions. It's just I just don't have anything to yeah, yeah, stand no. on, except for like it's really hard to play in Death Valley and like Brian Kelly can do things. <laughs> Besides that, I'm like, I don't I have no idea. Those are good. Those are good. Those are good reasons. In fact, if you'd like to know more about LSU, stick around because Brody Miller from The Athletic Get that. is going to explain a lot about the LSU Tigers. So when we come back here on Fringe Element, Brody Miller talking LSU. Go Tigers. <laughs> Gross. Brody, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you. Always a pleasure. Good to see you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So I would ask sort of like, what is Miles Brennan's legacy at LSU? But I don't know if there kind of is one. So I want to wrap Miles Brennan's story into because obviously he's been through a ton of a ton of stuff. I just want to wrap his story into the bigger picture quarterback situation historically at LSU. Yep. Even when even in 03 and 07 when they win the title, sort of guys that are more like McElroy than they are Joe Burrow. It's... What is it about LSU in the last I don't know 50 years that that has not that that Joe Burrow is the only guy that's been able to do it? Yeah. Uh, and and honestly just a good the funny thing is to your original point Miles Brennan weirdly will have like a beloved legacy at LSU even though he played three football games because <laughs> it's like he's the guy who never left the guy who like in an yeah. era of constant transfers is like no nah, I want to stay but yeah it's I think there's so much to that right I think one you can start with the simple fact that they were just kind of LSU was the you know like Alabama one of those schools that was just known for what they did well was running the football being physical that's how they did it and i think you have to start there that's kind of what they were and under less miles they never evolved in that era where kind of everyone else was evolving but yeah i mean that's just kind of an era and you know it better than i that quarterbacking at schools like that was more about like 
game manager is the worst term, but game yeah, managing, know. you know, and I think that's part of it. Absolutely. But some of it's just the QB coaching, things like that. But then there's this weird thing in Louisiana that's bizarrely changing right now, but even that's complicated that Louisiana just does not develop quarterbacks. It, it, and that last three years we can get to like, there's weirdly been a boom of them, but you go back. I mean, up, Per capita, Louisiana is like the most talented state in the country, right? But quarterbacks, they're toward the bottom, and it's just strange. And sure, a lot of that's, you know, the most talented players were going to other positions, things like that. But it, it is very odd. And even the ones you're seeing pop up now, they're all legacy kids. You know, Walker Howard's the son of former LSU quarterback Jamie Howard. Uh, the Mannings, obviously self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> uh, shoot, Walker, I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer is like a Louisiana kid. But his dad's Doug Nussmeyer, you know, and there's right. another one I'm missing, but it's just they're all legacies and it's very strange. You, you alluded to like that there's a reason why that was. It, do you have insight into why the state other than just guys playing other positions? Yeah, I think there's something to the way also high school offenses were built a little bit. You know, I, I think they were built in the mold of LSU to some extent. And there was just a ton of triple option kind of things going on in Louisiana yeah. and a lot of, you know, power run style. I, I think that has to contribute to it. And then, yeah, there have been some good reporting kind of saying that there also just wasn't the QB development pipelines, which is such a big part of things. Yeah, I guess uh, is was. I know Joe McKnight came out of Louisiana, goes to USC. Was John David Booty from Louisiana, right? Or am I making pretty that sure, up? Pretty sure, right? No, I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, again, no, I mean, or, not not that he was like a, an elite superstar player or whatever, but, it, you know, again, there's a... From Shreveport, yeah. Trying to come up with names. It's like, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> it's just a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the team this and by the year. way, even the ones who like were good from Louisiana, a lot of them were just like hidden gems, right? It was like Dak Prescott, who people yeah. weren't really clamoring over, or like a Terry Bradshaw who goes Louisiana Tech. It was never like, I mean, even the guys who were like five stars, it was like they were the kind of five star where it's like, you know, he's going to be a receiver in two years, right? Yeah. So <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, let's get to the team this year and we'll talk a little bit about Brian Kelly at the end. But I, I want to go right to the defensive line. Yeah. Um, we can talk Jaden Daniels in a second because obviously quarterback, but I want to go to the D line because I think this is the unit that gives them the opportunity to sort of make the biggest jump. Is, is this a group that could be among the best in the SEC, among the best in the country? I, I mean, they've got three guys that you could argue are all SEC. Is yeah. is this the unit that that does the most damage to make LSU relevant again this year? That's a good way to frame it. Yeah, if LSU does overachieve, if there is like some scenario where they can become a ten win whatever team, that that will be because the D line is possibly yeah one of the best in the entire country top three in the country if it goes right i mean because not just do they have basically four real draft prospects starting with bj Ojolari, ollie gay chiquelin roy's a first round prospect and then mason smith of my strong belief is my like hottest take it's not that hot but is that by the end of this year mason smith's gonna go into the 2024 draft junior year is like the way we talk about will anderson to an extent yep. i mean he is the dude as you know and and if you even look at his year last year it was like when he was the d tackle as a true freshman man his pressure rate numbers as a d tackle were like top five in the country in general and then they, and then he's so athletic they were able to move him to d end because they were just screwed at d end and they're like hey man i guess i'll just be like a run stopping d end and his numbers went down but still year two the defense is just built around him and the idea of him opening up everything else for yeah, Ojolari's and your gays. And then Jaqueline Roy is another pass rushing interior defensive lineman who's playing nose this year, which yeah. I have questions about, but also could mean like 
they are just really tough to block in pass blocking situations. So I think that four alone, top two in the SEC, I think is fair to say, you know, them, Bama probably, maybe Georgia, but, and then their second unit's still strong. You know, you get Makai Wingo from Missouri, freshman all SEC. He's a rotation guy. Jacoby Guillory is probably more of a true nose than the Jaqueline Roy is. He's really good. He's going to play a lot. Uh, Savion Jones is a rising sophomore. is going to be a stud. So I think, Again, there's a ceiling to this LSU team probably, but right. if they reach it, it's because that D-line might be – it could be the best in the country. Yeah, Mason Smith grades out so high he gets two A's. Um, that, that, that's <laughs> I love that. I'm stealing that, man. <laughs> you can you can use that. Um, you, you talked about the the ceiling and the upside. Where What, what is it? Like, I, I like the over. Yeah. I wish the over – you know, when it was six and a half back in the spring, I yeah. hammered the over. Nice. Um, you know, I don't love the seven as much, but I, I still do because the schedule sets up. What What is the ceiling for this team? And we'll get to – We'll get to Jaden Daniels in the offensive line in a second because that's obviously yeah. where where we're headed here. Yeah, honestly, I'd be comfortable paying the seven because it's like at least you get that comfort of a push, you know, because it's tough because you asked what the ceiling is. We'll look at it that way. Their ceiling is this is a team that in a vacuum, and college football does not exist in a vacuum, but in a vacuum, they could be favored in 10 of 12 games, right? You know, Auburn and Florida are in this weird down situation. Arkansas is probably favorite at this moment, but they're favorite against Florida State. Really, A&M and Alabama, the only two where you're like, oh, that's, yeah, they're dogs, no doubt. But they're weird. And and the way I always put it to people is I think they're just going to be really volatile. And I think I've said this to you before, where, you know. (laughs) LSU? No way. (laughs) Exactly. But because of kind of the mismanagement of the Ogeron era, it's like, yeah, the top of this roster is good enough on the right night to beat anyone i mean maybe not bama but maybe even bama because that first team is full of dudes but it's the way ogeron left that roster kelly's done a solid job of patching but they're just not deep they have three position groups i can think of that if one or two guys goes down it's like oh they're actively screwed so i i think it's like you're on the right night they can beat a&m and i'm like no no one think twice about it on the wrong night lose to Florida State, lose to Mississippi State, no doubt about it. I just think that's going to kind of be the recipe this year. Eight and four is my gut feeling. But the other X factor that is impossible for me to calculate, and I'd be lying to you if I could, is how much changes with Brian Kelly just in the football sense. We don't even talk about that part, right? Like that Ojean era was volatility, right? It was like you could just mismanage stuff. And Kelly is probably, as far as coaches go, the least volatile. Yeah, yeah, you motion, yeah. Like – so maybe the floor raises because he just knows how to coach football games. I don't know that. I don't want to like go out strongly saying that, but maybe they do confidently go eight and four, nine and three because you are seeing the bottom fall out less. Well, and I think it's also the SEC West and the SEC in general, including some teams in the East. There's just like from three down to 12, like it feels yeah. like it's all pretty close. Certainly a and is at the top of that list, but if things break right for any of these teams, I mean, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn, you know, Florida and Tennessee. Those are all potential swing games that they could they could win a majority of those games. Yeah, no, exactly. Like as much as I say, like there's a scenario where they're favored in 10. There's no game where they're favored by more than seven. Right. And there's no game where they're a dog by more except for Bama more than five. I don't know. Like it is all swing games. And granted, that's just the college football era we're in now of the portal where like Nobody knows for sure how good anyone is except maybe Bam and Ohio State because everyone's in this flux thing. But yeah, and and, th- and that's why it's going to be such an interesting year because they are all swing games. So it is actually, are they making progress? Like it's an actual test case, not just yeah. like, are they winning their 14 point favorite games like Notre Dame did? So yeah, I, 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 I'm completely with you there. It's like simultaneously a really hard schedule 
And it's not because there's not many like juggernauts. Well, and there's and just like LSU, we're not really sure what Ole Miss is or Auburn or Florida. Yep. Like we don't know what any of these teams are, which I think is going to make for a spectacular season. I'm with um, you. Which then comes down to quarterback play, of course. And yeah. and Jaden Daniels, like if you go watch his freshman tape at Arizona State, like incredibly efficient, took care of the football. One of the better, you know, fr- true freshman seasons, a pedigree guy coming out of high school. I, I mean, it just didn't seem to click. Now, to be fair, Arizona State was a complete dumpster fire. Yes. People are shocked that Herm Edwards is still employed. And so there's a lot baked into his struggles the last couple of years. How does he fit into the offense? We've heard that this offensive staff for Brian Kelly talk about they want somebody who can do everything. That was clearly always going to be Jaden Daniels, but he's got to revert back to his his true freshman form. So I guess the question is, what what does the offense need to look like for him to be successful? And I will just quickly preface that I genuinely think Aaron Nussmeyer is still in this battle completely. I mean, I think he's wowed a lot of that staff. And I also think there's a very re- – if you look at Brian Kelly's history, I don't know if there's any coach who the starting quarter quarterback means less than Brian Kelly. Like, he will bench them at halftime of the first game. I think there's a lot of scenarios where even if Daniels wins at week one, Nussmeyer's it by week four or something, just to preface that. But yes, the, the throat is proficiently cleared. Uh, I, I agree he is clearly the wild card in all of this. Yeah, because he's really talented. But, yeah, Jim Daniels, it really comes down to this exhausting thing of, like, which narrative do you want to believe? And you could convince yourself any scenario, right? Because there's a lot of negative scenarios of, man, yeah, freshman year, he had elite receivers, you know, Brandon Ayuk and, and Darby and so many guys in a good O-line at Arizona State. And it's like, maybe he just did well when everything was perfect for him. You know, like the old, like, Sean McVay, Jared Goff thing. But or you could look at it as, hey, he the one time he had a functioning system, he played well. You could spin it so many ways because his sophomore and junior year, he had a really bad O-line. He did not really have any targets to throw to. Balls were going off guys' hands. But, I mean, I even have his OC, Zach Hill, talking to me saying, like, yeah, but it was still a problem of, like, he would just take off way too soon in the pocket the second he didn't see his first read, didn't go through his progressions, not the most accurate. And you could even see that in spring. He's not the most accurate. So it's like you could spin it so many ways that maybe at LSU – And I'm just generally, I mean, there's tons of flaws in LSU, but a generally more talented team, loaded receiver room, all that. Maybe it works. Also, like, he might do worse in the SEC defenses coming at you. There's so many ways you can twist this. I think, to answer your actual question of how to get the most out of him, I do think if it's him, it's going to be kind of an RPO-heavy, not gimmicky, but built around getting the most out of him offense, you know? And this is kind of speculating, but even if you look at the row line, like the line that looks like it's going to be right now, it's one of those O lines where it's kind of five maulers, you know, it's like kind of five guys who will punch you in the mouth, which I feel I'm not an expert, but I feel is kind of conducive to run heavy RPO kind of keep you on your toes, you know, scheme. So I think that helps. And and just having those receivers, having Kayshawn Boutte, Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh, um, Jure Jenkins, Brian Thomas. I mean, it's a pretty loaded receiver room. That will obviously make his life easier. And he's progressed. I mean, I saw him in spring and I'm like, I don't see how he can be your starting quarterback. Some of the throws he's missing, never yeah. finds the read. Watched him in a few scrimmages practices so far. I'm not going to overreact to that, but like he's making quick decisions, you know, in traffic. He's one, two, boom, into the middle, you know, and there's always going to be flaws. He's never going to be Joe Burrow back there, but it does seem like there's a little progression. And he does add experience, which we kind of gets yada yada because his last two years weren't great. But he does have three years of experience, which helps. So I, the way I always put it is I feel like Jane Daniels probably gives you a better chance of getting the over, like a higher percentage chance. Garrett Nussmeyer probably gives you a higher ceiling. 
of like actually competing for something bigger because I think he has more raw talent, especially long term down the road. So if exactly. you want to, if you feel like this isn't going to be the year, do you want to get him the reps and 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 yeah. teach him how to be QB one in the SEC, like all that great stuff? I agree. So if the defensive line is the reason this team overachieves and hits its ceiling, is it not the offensive line that that is the thing that keeps this team from accomplishing any sort of first year goals for Brian Kelly? Yeah, it, that's one of two possibilities, right? That and corner, which we'll get, I can get to in a sec. Like O line, yeah, it's weird because no returning starters except for guys who might like rotate it in. Uh, you had two transfers, so you really like, but it's. I think the floor is higher on the O line than it was the last shoot, four, the last five years. O line's been a problem there for so long under Ogeron and Miles, even at times. Uh, it's like, I think they have eight or nine guys you can trust. I like what they're doing and kind of cross-training kind of every lineman to play two or three spots. So you, cliche, but actually get the best five on the field. You know, the scenario of Garrett Dellinger is this former top 100 prospect, his sophomore, looked really good as a garden tackle last year. Right now he's the starting center. And if that works out, it's a huge W. That's a huge win to like remove your biggest question and put that guy there. So it's like, and Brad Davis in his second year, and he only joined the staff as a line coach in like July of before that season. So that was a tough situation. I think there's a, I'm more confident this year that I can hang around like a C, C minus than last year, but I don't know the ceiling. Like I would be very surprised if there's any scenario where that's like a B plus or an A. So it also could be a disaster. I don't want to like <laughs> remove that possibility, but I do feel like they have options. I do feel like there's some depth there, but there's no one I'm like, that guy's the guy. And there's yeah. always, and you can't ignore as much as I think Will Campbell, the five-star freshman, is the dude and really good and going to be a first-round pick one day, and he looks the part. Still, you are starting a true freshman at left tackle. Like, you can't just say, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, that could go really right. wrong. So, line's probably the main thing you point to. The other would be corner, which is hard to debate because it's, like, in a perfect world where no one gets hurt, Jarek Bernard Converse from Oklahoma State – all SEC, all Big 12 guy, one of the best defense in the country last year, and seven banks from Ohio State last year, preseason All-American, and Greg Brooks from Arkansas Nickel. In a vacuum, that's a strength. You know, like that first lineup, that's a really good cornerback room. Right. But th- that's not realistic. I mean, shoot, two of those guys have been banged up pretty often all offseason and Banks and Bernard Converse. And if one of two of those guys, one or two of those guys goes down, no depth. Like I'm not even like we're talking like there's a scenario where a walk-on's the backup outside corner or a true freshman who's not that big a prospect, you know, one of those things. It's wild. And that's not Brian Kelly's fault. I think he's patching it well. He brought in four corner transfers this year. But if the, like that corner depth, if one guy goes down, is a major issue. We can also all blame Nick Saban as well. It's fine too. So we can we, we, we can <laughs> yes, certainly blame yeah. him for just cherry picking all the people that he needs. Yeah. Some of which inside the SEC. Oh, I need a left tackle. I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. I yeah. need a corner. I'm going to go to LSU. Yeah. Um. All right. Is so Louisiana. Obviously, LSU fans know all about this, but people outside of the state listening, that it has long been extremely territorial and also anti-territorial. There's been chunk. <laughs> there's been chunks of time where like it's been raided by other big name brands, and there's been chunks of time where LSU has dominated and kept everybody home. Where is Brian? Like, I know it's very early. Yeah. Is Brian Kelly doing with the things he needs to do to sort of, and I hate the phrase like, you know, put, put, put the wall up, put the fence yeah. up, you know, whatever, put the levee up around Louisiana. <laughs> I like what, that. What, what is, is he doing the things he needs to do to go that direction instead of, you know, those 30 years there from 70 to Nick Saban where people were coming in and taking whatever they wanted. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he is on track to do the right things. I mean, you look at this year in Louisiana, it's hard to hold this year against him because, as you know, like sure. 
really, you know, you're, that first year recruiting is probably like developing relationships more for say 2024 and things like that. And the Ogeron right. firing just kind of left them in weird spots because there's like three months where there was no head coach. So, and then you also look even more specifically, right? Arch Manning and Eli Holstein, as you know, we're never going to OSU. So that looks bad, but that's not like on them. Missing on Derek Williams at Texas, the five-star safety, that's a big loss. But overall, he's also won a bunch there, right? He's He's got Shelton Sampson, the five-star receiver from Baton Rouge. It looks like he's about to land Lance Hurd, the top 60, I believe, offensive tackle in Louisiana. He's got like six of five of the top 10, uh, like 12, I think, or something like that. You know, he he's making progress. He's building those relationships. And they look really well set up for 2024. So... I think it's fair. It, like it, it exists in this middle zone of. I think it is fair for fans to be concerned, but like, man, like, is he not gonna? Our team's gonna be able to pick some of these guys in the state because it's like, yeah, they are missing on five of the main guys in the top ten in the state right now. On the other hand, it's like judge him harder by twenty twenty four. You know, if he's missing yeah. again in twenty twenty four, oh yeah, have the talk, get mad. Like that is valid. I just don't think it's fair right now. Especially, it'd be one thing if they were just having a bad class. Their class is number six in the country right now. <laughs> they're, they're landing five stars and top 100 guys across the country really well, which, by the way, can back up the argument that it's about the relationship part, right? Because those national guys, he was at Notre Dame. Jamar right. Kane was at Oklahoma. Those were the relationships they had, and they're yeah. hitting on it. So, like, you could <clears> – excuse me. So, I think he's on the right track. It should be okay. But <clears throat> at the same time, they're always – I think Brian Kelly does think differently. He's not going to take a kid just because – He's like, hey, he's number 80 player in the country. He's right, in right, Louisiana. Right. He's going to be like, he doesn't fit what we're doing. He is a stickler. He's like Nick Saban on a lot of those things. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle where, yeah, it's not going to be like Ogeron where it's like, we will take anybody in the top 10. But at the same time, yeah, he needs to make up some ground. I, I recommend reading your colleague's book, Meat Market, about he- how yes. Ed Orgeron uh, used to pork rind and Red Bull his way to stars yep. at old at old Mississippi. And I believe like a three and 21 record. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I do love the sec where fans can get concerned about a top six class in the country that only happens in the sec. I love that. <laughs> Great um, point. but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, of course, everybody will promote all your good stuff over there at the athletic, check it all out. And, uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Brody. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. All right. That was Brody Miller of the athletic covering LSU. If everything goes right, could they get to nine wins? Maybe ten. Sure, I think that's a that's perfect scenario. Everything goes right, things go poorly. Quarterback doesn't work out. Jaden Daniels doesn't refine his form from his freshman season. The offensive line isn't any good. LSU could certainly be down there at six and six, but I do think bowl game is pretty much locked in here because I think Brian Kelly is just worth a couple of wins. He's just a professional adult, and we saw Josh Heupel do that for Tennessee last year. Right, and it's and. We, you know, we know what Brian Kelly's capable of. I think a lot of what LSU is struggling with, well, there were a slew of things, but a lot of it was just, you know, obviously we have behavioral stuff, things are falling apart, like things are going on on and off the field, get new coaching staff, whatever. But it's some of it was just talent wrangling. Like they just needed, like Brian Kelly just needed to be in there to like get people in the right places and make it work. Um, Cause it was just chaos. So I, I do see. think he had pieces to work with. So that's why I think that it won't take them that long to get back to closer to what we think of when we think of LSU football. Do, do you remember the LSU freak guy that used to do internet memes? 
LSU freak, and he would always tag it at the bottom, like LSU freak, and he did all these weird, funny. I don't. Internet. How long ago was it? This was back. It was ten years ago, and he was super famous in like sort of the college football internet meme world, and he was doing all these hilarious gifts and stuff of all these people. Like, I want to see Brian Kelly in some assless chaps oh. on a horse riding into the portal. I don't wrangle, wrangling the talent. I want to see him with a hat on, just like throwing a lasso around some like deep offensive lineman from junior college. Like, go for it, Brian Kelly. Like, let's get LSU freak to come out of retirement and give us a Brian Kelly on a horse wrangling talent gif. Can we get that? Is that too much to ask? Um, big Brian Kelly guy, Braden is. <laughs> assless chaps might have gone too uh, far for okay, me. Okay, fine, fine. I hear, I know the figurative and or literal assless chaps that Brian Kelly may or may not already own. Well, you can have clothing on under the assless chaps. I just want the chaps to. But you, you know, wouldn't. All the girls, all the girls at the fancy Instagram influencer pop up sushi place, they were all wearing assless chaps, but like they had on, they had like on something underneath it. So you're I try to tell the my most daughters, dramatic no, don't look. person I know. They don't look, daughters. The most dramatic. You're wholesome, I've ever you're been. wholesome, beautiful, wonderful, amazing, kind humans. Don't look. Don't mm-hmm. look. Yeah, I'm sure they survived. Um, they're just fine. I'm not sure the sushi pop up did though. Well, at least you did something cool for once. It was oh, come on with that. You think it's cool? We were like, we were like, we hate this. <laughs> now, to be no. fair, the sushi, the sushi was spectacular. It was oh, spectacular. Don't be a brat. I'm I sure don't, it was great. I don't need loud pumping bass EDM music, and I don't, I don't, I did not enjoy any of that stuff. I'm telling you, I'm old. I enjoyed the sushi. It was delicious. The cocktails were fantastic. Sushi sounds very good right now. It was so good. It was so good. So. Credit well, to all of that, but my kids, we, me and my wife and my kids, me and my tomato shirt, like clearly did not belong. In my <laughs> did not belong there. <laughs> Freaking tomato shirt. Uh, I want to go. I want to go to the LSU Arkansas game in Fayetteville. Ooh, that'd be good. That'd be I just really want to go to a Arkansas game, and I want to go to an LSU game so I can just see what's happening in person with them. But then uh, I also and, just want to hang out with Sam Pittman. So that I want to do. I, I agree. I want to do Auburn. I want to go to an Auburn game, like multiple Auburn games, and just be like, "What's going to happen?" <laughs> yeah, yep. There's just so much. There's do. so much good football stuff we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks. I love it. Can't wait. Football is here, like eleven days away. Aaron, where can people right. find you? Uh, the Aaron Dugan on Twitter, Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. You can get to me at Braden Gall. Thanks to Brody Miller for hanging out with us as well. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page as well. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Bye.